Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And Stacey in on the challenge. Need to be careful because he's been booked. It runs loose to the left-hand side. Here's Longman now. Hull threatening. Ryan Longman coming back into the area. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whenever, wherever you are in the world. Thank you for listening. This is episode 147 of Back in the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast, 147. That's a big break. And we need a big break. Well, a break from tragic results like losing away at Luton. These little teams. Hull next. That's got to be a surefire win. At home? Well... On this show, we were live on Monday evening on YouTube where we chatted all things AFC Bournemouth and we're relaying the show to you now. So just again, a reminder, because these recordings come direct from YouTube, there may be some visual references that you might not get. You might want to then watch the video on YouTube itself. If you do, just go to youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast. And during it, we were also keeping an eye on the Blackburn versus Middlesbrough game. As Boscombe, by the end of our recording... And as it turned out to be, could have been outside of the automatic promotion spots for the first time since mid-September. At one point, Bournemouth were nine points clear of the team in third. Yet, as it stands, and it could get worse, Bournemouth are now two points behind the team in second. If QPR win, we'll be in fourth. It's not very good, is it? So on this show, we come together, we breathe, and we talk. So to talk Tigers, it's Tom and Tix. So let's bring in the boys.
Firstly, Tom Jordan, how are you? Yeah, more right, mate. Nice positive way to start there. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, I said we'd beat the Tigers, but turns out I was lying. Very good. Tiggs is here as well. Tiggs, that was right? very good. Yeah, I'm all right, mate. Do you know what? Little fact for those people at home: uh, it is actually the Chinese New Year about to start next week, uh, and it's the year of the tiger. It certainly isn't the year of the cherries, is it? Uh, very good very good so this is the league table as it stands and it doesn't make good reading not least because when queen's park rangers play tomorrow night if they win again i think they're against swansea at home if they beat them we could be in fourth position this season it's funny it's been the it's been dubbed the poorest in terms of championship quality and on paper we should be streets ahead but in reality we're just one of many teams that are contributing to the lack of quality in this division, aren't we? All is not lost, though, and we've got things in our own hands. But with 19 games to go, is it a time we took an honest look in the mirror and just admitted to ourselves that we've got a problem? Or are we exaggerating? Tom, Saturday wasn't great, was it? No. Um, I remember seeing you at half-time and thinking, we'll be all right, this will be fine. Um, didn't expect the second half that we got was um yeah really really baffling to be honest and the way the boys come out second half was really poor don't know what's been said at half time and it was a perfect executed away day performance from Hull I mean to have played no disrespect to Hull but played them twice we didn't deserve to win either we haven't scored in either and um yeah it's the last couple of games I think have been really worrying trend I think I said after the game that there are two different ways to lose a football match obviously losing 3-2 to, to Luton and then 1-0 but it it glaringly showed two different sides of ways to lose football matches that are really, really poor and really worrying. So, um, yeah, it was a disappointing weekend. I didn't see it coming. I've been saying the fixture list makes it look like we can really get some points. And now I'm worried for Barnsley. We're going to go through the bones of the game later on in the show, but we need to provide some immediate reaction. And look, there have been several questions that need to be answered, Tiggs. Is it the personnel? Is it the system? Is it the manager? Is it a mentality issue? Is it the turgid atmosphere at Dean Court? Or, as I suspect, it's probably a culmination of all of those. I think you're probably right there, Sal. I'm sure we'll pick through all of them as we go through the show tonight. Uh, a lot of voices out there saying different things as, as to what the reason might be. Not least of all, actually, Mr Parker himself, who, um, who did a, a very... Um, well, it wasn't a typical post-match chat that he would normally do, I felt, um, which I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll, we'll have a little chat about in a sec. Uh, but yeah, uh, really confusing, considering where we were, as you said, you know, nine points clear at one point. We were flying at the start of the season. We had a system that worked. Where's it all gone? Mm, yeah, where has it all gone? So a good evening to everyone that's watching live this evening, including Chris Hubble. We've got Mike Irwin here. Good evening to you, Mike, from the States. We've got Liam Humby as well. Also, we've got Morgan Scott, who's watching as well. Hi, Morgan. Hope you're well. Red and black cherries. We've got 747SP, Dave Roberts here. Mark Cole. Good evening, Mark. We've got Harry. We've got Lucas, who already is suggesting that promotion is gone. Heather's here as well. Deguzzi's here. Hi. We've got Stephen Paul Spicer, hope your leg's doing okay, mate. Need an update on how you're doing, buddy. Dave Roberts. Kerry Phillips is here as well. Carly's here. We've got Kathy who's saying, we've got a problem. Charlie <laughs> Edwards. Hi, Charlie. Hope you're doing all right. Simon Kay's here as well. No effing and jeffing from Simon Kay tonight. 
Yeah, maybe don't watch the free-for-all if you're not so good with swear words. Who else we got? We got Michael here as well, and we'll go through a number of other comments throughout the show as well. So, what happened on Saturday? Here's what happened in about 90 seconds. Shit. No. One nil. One nil. Jack Stacey loses the ball. Shocking. Architects of our own demise. Those boos I just heard, I think they might have been. But listen, it's not all doom and gloom. Tom, we have shown some excellent signs during the season, but only in patches, not for a full 90 minutes. I think Bristol City, as we've said before, probably the closest in terms of perfect performances. But that's where the problem lies, isn't it? It's the intensity, the lack of intensity, the intensity, the lack of intensity. We just seem to be so patchy at the moment. And whenever we are patchy, we seem to be punished. Yeah, it felt like at the start of the season, didn't it, that when we were having their moments where we were on top of teams, we were getting the goals and we were we were clinical in both boxes, I felt. Um, you know, we were probably getting away with bits um, defensively, but we were always scoring. I think there was a few games early in the season where we didn't have many chances, but we were burying them and we looked solid at the back and it's just not happening at the moment. Maybe if we look back, we go, we were a bit fortunate in them games. But as you say, it's, it's in fits and spurts and but I still didn't expect what I saw in the second half and it definitely felt like a team that thought they could just turn up and, and get the job done in that second half. And Hull, you know, had a had a different different opinion on that and just and thought they were probably still in the game and it was their game plan. And yeah, really worrying and a worrying trend of the teams at the bottom that were struggling to break down as well, which we were saying last season. So many, I'm sure we'll come on to it, but so many similarities for me on last season. Too many. And Tiggs, Fulham fans... They warned us of this, the driving with the handbrake on approach. You know, they're now coming onto our vlogs and on our channel on, on various videos that we're doing and enjoying watching us painfully trying to work out what's gone wrong. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they're taking the joy from, from Parker failing more than us, to be honest. I think a lot of them, you know, sort of say, we told you so, by the way, really, really sorry, but we told you so. Um, so there's a bit of, you know, bit of sweet about it from them i think um yeah I, I it is just baffling to think i think simon k said it really well actually um is that you know at the beginning of the season we had a system that worked and, and you get injuries you get things that change but it's so weird how we've changed so much from that to where we are now and that that's just baffling to me and how players who were performing really well in that system are not performing well now and how he's kind of trying out different things, tinkering so much. I, I, I get the feeling that we've actually forgotten what it was that, that was working for us in the first place. I also get the feeling that Parker, his very essence is, this is the way it's got to be. And I think Jacob Tanswell said a brilliant quote on his article in the week. And he said, uh, there's a growing feeling that this meticulous approach may be having a detrimental effect on individuals' natural instincts. And I don't think I could have put it better. 
you know what? You took the words right out of my mouth. Because let's not forget, most of these players, the majority of our squad, have been brought up on the Eddie Howe diet of football, which is mm. chuck the kitchen sink at them approach. Full throttle football. You're instinctively looking to attack and be ruthless. Remember under Eddie, at 1-0 we were looking to make it 2. At 2, 3, 4, 5. You wanted to score goals. But yet now we're seeing a desire for controlling matches. But what is control? Is control playing it safely? Is it playing keep ball when you can otherwise unleash the natural potential in your squad? Is it as we saw at the weekend, overplaying the ball and trying to walk it into the net. Surely, Tom, when you're doing that, it must give some impetus to the opposition when you're overplaying like that because, you know, they're thinking, we can probably ride this out here. Yeah, you'd think so. And um, I agree. I think a lot of Scott Parker's philosophy seems to be about control. And at the start of the season, he got credit for it, um, and rightly so, because we were winning games and then, you know, we were taking the lead and then just taking the sting out of it and we looked solid defensively and you got to take your hat off to him when that was happening because you thought, you know, we're getting the job done. But then equally, when you look a little, little bit vulnerable and it's not working out, then that's going to be questioned, which it is at the moment. I just, I look at the team, I look at the, the group of players we've got and the quality and just think they look so, they're in such a rigid kind of, they're so disciplined and have to play in such a, such a certain way that there's no freedom and that these players need freedom. You've got people, you know, like your, your Ryan Christie's, your Phil Billings, who, who you just want them to express themselves. And I feel like they're they're told to do such a specific job that you're not getting the best out of them. And um, it's it's concerning because I think we've that the players we've got are not suiting the way they're being asked to play, perhaps. But yeah, it seems to go right at the start of the season. But as Tig said, we seem to have forgotten a lot of that. And I'm sure we'll come on to, to different individuals, but... You know, for example, that start of the season we had, maybe Gavin Kilkenny was quite a good footballer. I don't see why he's not getting a run out, to be honest, because he was absolutely exceptional at the start of the season. So, yeah, it seems a bit odd. seems like him, for example, someone that pulled out there is easy to drop. But, um, yeah, it does seem like we've lost a bit of that at the start of the season. And that could be a confidence thing. We've had a few bad performances, bad results. And then you start maybe doubting the way you're playing and, and doubting how, you, how you're being told to go about things. And, and that's not a good thing. But... We're we're certainly too reliant on a few players at the moment, and and then when them few things are taken out, we're just not functioning. Mm. Scott Parker's admitted that as well. We've got a reliance on certain players, and as I said, with regards to controlling matches, I think when you are controlling games, I don't think you're aggressive, and when you're not aggressive, you're not mentally at your peak, which means you're more susceptible to be tackled and or to be turned over and. You know, there'll be instances like Blackpool clutching a draw from the jaws of victory. I mean, we should have won that game. Dom should have made it 3-0. But as it was, they came and got a point. We haven't beaten a newly promoted side. As far as I can see it, Tiggs, and this is maybe a real like basic way of, you know, putting it. If you kind of, when you control games, I would say you're not going all out. So you're almost setting your bar halfway. So mm-hmm. you're controlling the game and you're not killing them off. So surely this means that there's less of a margin for error because that swingometer could easily fall back in the direction of the team you're playing. Whereas, obviously, if you're setting the bar high, you know, it's harder for them because you're going to be playing teams off the park. And, you know, if they do score, it's going to be merely consolation, just like Hull the last time we played them at home in the Premier League. 6-1 up. It didn't matter, did it? But... There's there's so much to detangle. I, you know, I don't even know where to begin, mate. I really don't. I think when you watch any football game, 
any football game, there's there's momentum shifts, isn't there? So, you know, if, if you're, you're playing five-a-side, whether you're playing, you know, watching the Champions League final, there's there's points where different games, different teams have an up and a down. And I think what he wants is he wants us to be very level and decide when that's going to happen for us. Decide, you know, okay, we've had five minutes. Now we're going to attack for five, ten minutes. Now we're going to just level off. Now we're going to attack. And, you know, that level of... First, the technical ability, the skill that that involves as a football to be able to do that is pretty hard. But the mental ability, the mental agility to be able to say, do you know what? We've got the ball. We've got the ball. But you know what? We're just going to hold back. I mean, that, that's, that almost feels like you're being punished, doesn't it? Punishing yourself. Having that, you know, we're ready to score a goal, but we won't. And, you know, equally, kind of the other way around. It doesn't really surprise me that sometimes now that when we go a goal down, mm. because we haven't scored a goal in, a good goal in that game already with all the chances we've had. No wonder that the mentality of the players kind of just just collapsed, didn't it? How many times do you think, Tom, we've we've rode our luck this season? Because now I look back at it and I think, well, certain wins when we were all absolutely loving life at the time. Because I think, for me, the performance is always the thing I look for. I don't really look at the league position. and But... When you've won a number of matches in a row, it's very easy to actually forget the performances because you're getting the results. But when you look back at it now, you're thinking, well, we were lucky to get a win at home against QPR because of Travers' heroics late on in the game. We were lucky to get that win 2-1 over Luton because their striker missed from practically inside the goal. And all these little moments, you're thinking, actually, those moments just went our way. It could have been very different. Yeah, there's not there's not many games that I think we've I think you mentioned Bristol City at the start, which was a good shout where I felt we were good. Um, but there's not many games where I felt we controlled from start to finish. Um, even even Swansea won four 0 We should have been behind. Um, mm. And yeah, I think it's once again. I think last season with the um, unbeaten run we had, we had a mental unbeaten run. The same this season, wasn't it? One of the last in the country, if not the last. And both times we didn't feel like we were brilliant, and we weren't blowing teams away. But there's only so much you can say when you're one of the last unbeaten teams in the country. You're kind of going, well, we're efficient, aren't we? Um, but again, we're going back to now going, maybe we were quite fortunate. It's an interesting thing. And again, last season we were saying about, oh, Begovic was man of the match quite a lot, though, wasn't he? So is Travers this season. There's so many yeah. similarities. This left me scratching my head a little bit because I, I really felt we would go in a different direction. Um, but we're... We're quite, we're quite turgid. We're quite. I don't find us very exciting, which I didn't last season, and um, that's a that's a concern. But I don't know. I just look at it like Tiggs was saying about kind of, you know, we're talking about controlling games and playing in spurts. And if we're, you know, nil nil in games, things like that, it's only a week ago that we conceded with virtually the last kick of the game. Mm. Can you you can't tell me you've got. You know, you think we'll be fine, so we can play in these fits of spurts because we can keep the door locked. We just let him free against yeah. Luton. So the fact that we felt like we could just nick a goal and we'll be fine in that second half really is odd because, as I say, we've shown we can ship goals and we've also shown we're not clinical enough in front of goal. And um, as you said, Scott Parker mentioned it, we're so reliant on certain individuals and that don't wash for me because we've got one of the best squads in the league. Um, you can argue Fulham, but apart from that, you can't tell me anyone's got a better squad than us um, on paper. And last season, it was probably very similar with Norwich and Watford, the other two. But, you know, you can't, it's, that's awful. That's like when Chelsea try and get a game postponed because they've got a few injuries. You think, come mm. on, look at your squad compared to the rest. And I think the same now. There's no, there's no way we can be, be moaning about having certain injury stuff. It's not ideal, but we're bringing on players on loan from Man City. We're bringing on 
you know, uh, we're starting. Jamal Lowe scored you know, double figures last season. He doesn't start every week. You know, Gary Cahill's on the bench. Come on, we've we've got a good squad and we should be performing better. But um, it again, a few little a few little tinkers, and we don't seem to know what to do. And it's um, yeah, it's concerning. It really is. So here's another question: the atmosphere at Dean Court ticks. I mean, I don't know how many times we've used this word already, but it's turgid and it's awful. And I really miss Nonny, you know. We, uh, yeah. We get behind them briefly at kickoff, but then it all goes so quiet. And the you know the South Stand comparably makes more noise than the North. And nearly every match at Dean Court, the opposition fans are singing football in a library. And we're we're famed. We were famed in the Premier League era for having this stadium with the closeness to the pitch, which helps us generate an atmosphere. I'm not feeling it now. Which, to me, right, it sort of begs the question. I think we've been treated to some amazing football over the last 10 years. And it's always been the team that's been the catalyst for the high decibel level at Dean Corks. Under Eddie, it was an exciting brand of football. It got, off us, it got us off our seats. And we responded vocally to a decibel level that I thought I would never hear at Dean Court week in, week out. So, uh, you know, does that make us a bit entitled as fans? Are we, are we only turning up and just singing when the team wins? I think I think it's kind of a little bit part of our culture. I think the whole time I've been going to AFC Bournemouth, the whole time we've had teams that have played on the front foot pretty much. And the seasons that we didn't were the seasons where it was quiet. Mm. Um, you know, Mr. Quinn. So, it, you know, it's just... <laughs> well, it's genuine though, isn't it? I mean, that's just what we've been used to. You can go all the way back to Harry Redknapp. That's, that's what we expect from football. We don't expect to be in the Premier League. We don't expect to win every game, but we've come sort of used to a, a form of football, a style of football that is attacking and exciting. And some day, some weeks you get smashed for it, but mm. that's just us. Now, what Parker's tried to introduce, and I understand why, and it's his football philosophy, and it's what he's put forward. And obviously, the people in power at our football club have bought into it. Is is a you know, this kind of modern idea of kind of just controlling it? Interesting little stat. I think Tom Latcham put it on the Twitter this this week. We keep making comparisons with Fulham. How many goals do you think Fulham caused, scored at home last season? Go on, Tom. You probably know this better. Take than a I guess. Do. Last, oh, they were Premier League last season, weren't they? Um, probably thirty uh, odd at home. You say at home, just at home. Oh, just uh, at home. I'm going to say something like twenty. Then yeah, I'll go twenty-five. Nine. No <laughs> way. Okay, is it's that a story? We will put that into consideration, I suppose. But mm. that is an interesting stat. And just going off what you were saying there, Sam, about the kind of uh, the atmosphere and things like that, because it was poor and it has been relatively poor all season. I think it's got to work both ways. You, you're in it together, aren't you, with a uh, team and supporters and yep. staff and supporters, and it works both ways. I think you know if if we we've got to get behind the players, but the players have got to give us something to get behind, and equally with the kind of booing at the end, which I'm not an advocate for. I've never been an advocate for booing, but you know, as I say, it goes both ways. If, if Scott Parker wants to go straight down the tunnel and not clap the supporters, then the supporters are probably entitled to boo a poor performance. Um, I just think it works both ways. And, and I think you try and get an atmosphere going. But if, if you've got nothing, if you've got nothing to cheer on, then it's very difficult. It's, it's a partnership. It's a partnership. And we've done the away day kind of experience shows yeah. throughout the season. And we've said similar things, haven't we? The, you know, of course, Luton are going to sound loud at the end of the game when they've just scored a 97-minute winner. It's... It works both ways, and I think it's not been good enough this season, but I think on Saturday, especially in that second half, very, very hard to get behind. 
It wasn't like we were chucking balls in the box. Watch the kind of highlights and stuff, which I'm sure we'll go on to kind of the game and watch the highlights. They didn't show an attack yeah. from our second half because we didn't. The goalkeeper didn't have to put his gloves on second half. So to ask the fans to get, you know, to be really loud when you're not creating anything in that second half, I think, I think it's a tall order. Maybe it's the siege mentality thing. Because mm. this season and the last have been the only seasons in my lifetime that we've ever been expected to do something. Yeah. yeah. And you, you know what? I remember being at that Huddersfield match, the one that BT Sport put on at 12.30. So we were all in the coaches at like quarter past three outside Dean Court, freezing our nuts off. And you know what? Their stadium's the loudest I've probably ever heard. You know, probably anywhere. They were so loud. And at one all after equalise, you'd think that they would be less vocal they weren't they were making so much noise they didn't stop and have we got the same mentality as the players like to turn up and just expect things to happen or something maybe yeah maybe yeah i think um i think it's just a two-way street and i think we we will respond to effort do you remember in the uh, relegation season um when uh we had a game i think it was um was it it was at home. It was near the end. It was one of the last ones before we went into lockdown. Who were we playing? Was it Brighton? Yeah. The Brighton game. And yeah. we weren't doing anything in that game, you know, as the team one. And then suddenly they kicked in, didn't they? I think it was Rico down the Hit left the post. or something. Yeah. yeah. And suddenly, you know, the, the whole atmosphere lifted. Yeah. Um, I just think we needed a goal. I, honestly, like when you look at the yeah. whole game, we needed a goal to, to, to move it, but we didn't get one. So I think that's what's happening. I think we're just getting a little bit fed up with, um, not getting the rewards for when we do have the ball, and then the confidence drops, and you know we get we get hammered. I even Maybe think it's... we needed a a Ryan Christie to get the ball on the right hand side, cut yeah. and have a shot, and yeah. the keeper tip it over the bar. You know, I, I don't even think it was a a goal. I think something like that. I can't really remember if we had a corner in the second half. It just there was no, you know, kind of thinking it's all coming. Come on, and we're trying to grind it in because we didn't do anything. We didn't. We we weren't creating anything. So it's hard to get to get behind anything I just yeah it, there's no there was no um, prolonged period of pressure was there to really go come on look they're trying here let's get it over the line it just felt like going through the motions until the final whistle went and um, yeah like Tig said it's, it's a two way street and um, I think both both parties if you like are to blame really for the atmosphere yeah I mean a crunching tackle a shot and goal anything yeah. Yeah. anything that can get perhaps there's a geographical thing I mean like Bournemouth's a lovely place we've got a beach to enjoy we've got a beautiful environment there's more to life than football down here maybe maybe in places like Huddersfield there just isn't they just look forward to the weekend well then it's also the thing you say like we're always louder when we're away aren't we yeah. like you know the, the away support always seems louder than our home support yeah. so. I, I, I love an away game I love an away game right so detangling the bones of this game then Tom there's the team lineup. Mm. That's what we saw at two o'clock when it was announced. I think I think we pretty much guessed it on the money, apart from the fact that uh, I got shouted down and said to put in Cahill rather than Mepham. I, I wish I did because I could have won a free mug. <laughs> Alas, <laughs> wasn't going to happen. But that was the team lineup. Um, yeah. When you saw that, uh, were you happy? Yeah, yeah, I was okay with that. I think um, probably the the question marks really were over. You know, would would Biden be available? Um, playing him and him and Marcondes was interesting, but Marcondes probably aren't the right. And also, you know, would Samura be back, which obviously he wasn't. Um, and then the Mepham thing, I think, you know, real shame with, with Meps going down for an injury. It looked like a hamstring, so he'd probably be out for a little bit. Mm. But I, I could understand it think, when I when I saw it. It certainly wasn't something I was predicted. I'm not going to pretend I, I did. But when I saw it, I fought back to that whole game um, away from home, the 0-0. I thought, actually, 
yeah, they're going to have a low block. Let's get us up the pitch a little bit more. And with with Cahill, you know, obviously he has a lot of positives, but with him being aging and not blessed with pace, I thought Meps could get us up the pitch a little bit more, which happened in the period he was on. So it made sense to me. I thought that was quite clever. And I felt that Jamal Lowe would come in as well for, for Jane Nantley because he's been off it a little bit. And Lewis Cook was, I suppose, surprised we didn't we didn't know he was out, but Billion was back anyway and Lewis has been off it. So, yeah, I was more than happy with it, mate. And um, I think we could have put out any any side. I expected us to, to go and win the game. So, um, yeah, more than happy and, and still felt confident going into it. Just want to give a shout out to Lucas a super chat helps support the channel so if you're watching on YouTube now and you are in a position to support the channel it also guarantees your message will be read out as well thank you so much Lucas and he says does anyone know when Laird will be available Tom do you know anything no I feel really bad now he's paid money for me to say I don't know Um, (laughs) all I I remember is Scott Parker saying that he won't be available and he won't be available for Barnsley Um, which makes me think I'm pretty I'm pretty sure someone tell me in the chat if I'm wrong he's not cup tied because he didn't play, obviously, mm. just Cyrus. So I reckon if he's not quite there, they're thinking, let's let's get him in for the uh, Boreham Wood game. If you remember in the last round, we had to play Mariah Welsh mm. on that right-hand side because it was the only chance to give Stacey a break and Smithy still out. So I reckon, if I had to predict it, that his first start will be against Boreham Wood, which is a nice way to kind of ease him in, I think. But um, I didn't didn't expect us to, to be really desperate for him, but I'm desperate to see what he's like. Not that Stacey was horrendous, but I'm, I'm desperate to see if he can add something to us, to be honest. Now, before kickoff, I gather there might have been an announcement uh, on the PA with regards to the passing of Jamie Vincent. We didn't do a one-minute silence, which I thought we might have. Crystal Palace managed to, and as I tweeted just yesterday, that when you're when you got a televised match on Sky, you've got these meticulous like, timings to adhere to that are set by the TV channel, and they worked in a one-minute silence into their schedule and. We didn't have that. We didn't. I'm sure the club will, will do something appropriate in due course for Jamie. However, just wanted to make reference to this absolute wonder of a left back and an all-round nice guy as well. As you saw, Fletch and numerous other people tweeting about him. Tom, Tiggs, you you both watched him grace the old Dean Court for many a season. You know, one of the best left backs this club has ever had, Tom, yeah? Yeah, I think so. He was the first left back I saw, really, kind of that um, 97, 98 kind of season. Um, he was actually, I said to you, Sam, he was actually the first player I ever saw score for Bournemouth. Um, my first game, I believe it was Northampton. We won um, 2-0 when he scored first. So, um, yeah, he was he was one that I don't think until Warren Cummins, we really, we struggled to replace him in them lower leagues, didn't we? Um, you know, a set piece in them lower leagues is massive and he had a hell of a wand on him, didn't he, on that left foot? Mm-hmm. So um yeah, and he, he seemed to be a really good fit for us. I've got, I've got family in Huddersfield, funnily enough, and it, it didn't quite work from there, but he was a really good player for us. And I think he went back down more south, Swindon, Portsmouth, a place like that, and, and managed to get back. But yeah, real, really sad, you know, not a, not a um, old age at all. But um, yeah, really good footballer. And yeah, first left back I saw and really enjoyed watching him play. And I actually felt like he'd probably get a little bit, bit of a higher level, actually. I wonder if it was maybe pace, come to think of it, for a fullback. But yeah, he, he was a great player. He was a great player. And I wonder if we can maybe try and do something when we got to Huddersfield. Um, with them being mm. one of his former clubs as well, some sort of applause or something would be a nice touch, I think. It's interesting to see the de- the message from Dave Roberts saying we should do our own win in one minute silence in the next home game. Arguably, we probably did because we weren't that vocal <laughs> throughout the game. But yeah, rest in peace, Jamie Vincent Tiggs. You would have seen him as well, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, excellent player and a great and a great team. I'm mean, a very memorable team. Um, yeah, and really sad, really, really yeah. sad because no age at all as either. Um, so uh, yeah, it's um, it's good to remember him for 
for the way that he played and uh, it, yeah, it'd be great to see um, hopefully get his family down to a game or something as well at some point part of well, our iconic thought the same. I thought um, sorry sir I always remember being a kid and thinking we must have the two best fullbacks in these low we had Neil, Neil Young and yeah. Jamie Vincent yeah. I used to think there's no way and yet these two seem like they're at such a higher level and it just never quite happened for them both but I always remember thinking we've got the best fullbacks in the, in the division so um, yeah reiterate what Tick says there yeah top, one of, top low top low one of two iconic defences in my AFC Bournemouth supporting mm. lifetime yeah mm. absolutely Jamie Vincent rest in peace buddy so, onto the game itself. And, hey, Tix, the first half was good, but we just we just didn't score. We we created a hat full of opportunities, right? I lost count, to be quite honest with you. I remember, I remember I think messaging you boys and just going, how many chances have we had in the last five minutes? Because I've completely lost count. Um, well, you know and... what, Tix? You oh, know go what? on. What you got? I can, I can tell you. <laughs> I can tell you. These were the shots we had in the first half. We are shown oh in orangey red, that. as you can see. Hull's solitary shot just inside the box there. So, yeah, I mean, that there is pretty astounding. Let's compare that with the second half. Yeah. How is two. that? How is that? Look at that for a contrast, Tig. So, it makes you think that we just should have taken some of those early chances that we had. And as Thomas said in the vlog at half-time, if it was Fulham... They'd have been three, four nil up by then. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's just it's it's baffling, it's baffling, um, and I, I do you know I don't mind, I don't mind that we didn't score in the first half. I think like Tom said, you play like that, you get your chances, they don't all go in, and you, and you accept it. What is completely, completely baffling to me and, and confusing to me is the second half. And um, I don't know why we, we, we ended up the way that we were. We, the few little things changed. And obviously, you've got to put a lot of credit to Hull because they did, you know, they came out and they were different yeah. in the way they approached. But you know, at first half, we seemed to know exactly what we were doing. We had a really high line, which stopped Hull with their long balls, which was brilliant. We had a lot of, you know, ball around the box. I mean, possession. Have you got the possession stat? I think it was about sixty-eight percent in the end to OC Bournemouth thirty-two or something like that. But it was, well, it was around that seventy-thirty split. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, and probably in the first half, it was probably like near eighty. It was just, it's just incredible. Um, nothing for Travs to do really. Uh, and then the second half, it's just a complete flip. Um, you know, quite a bit for him to do, and and you know, he couldn't couldn't quite get his hand to the the goal that was. But yeah, I low. I just couldn't believe it because. You're, I think all of us thought half time, okay, we haven't scored, but carry on like this, probably for 10 more minutes, we're going to get a goal. And I think if we had got a goal, I think the game probably would have gone slightly differently. Although I still don't know with the way that Hull came out in the second half whether we would have had enough to combat that because it seemed like we didn't. Yeah. I mean, let's just go through the chances off the top of our head. Leaf Ball played a sweeping. Ball over the top to Dom Solanke. Yeah, chested it down, but it, it sort of bounced off his chest. He didn't really cushion it. So the keeper, the Baxter, made a good save there. It was one where Jack Stacey was on the right-hand side, uh, driving forward. Christie overlapped and then dinked it up onto the head of Dom Solanke, yeah. who, let's be fair, Tom, should have buried that. I've seen the highlights since then, and my God, I uh, really should have done better. Yeah, I think he, he had another one, didn't he, as well, that the, the keeper, well, it looked like he got a touch, but it said it went out for a goal kick. But this first one, yeah, it looked like it was going straight into that bottom corner. I probably thought he'd done the right thing trying to aim for that. He just put too much on it, didn't he? 
Um, yeah, he's had a few of them this season, which you, know, you figure the goals he has scored. I could think of a lot of misses as well. He could have that for, he could be up there with Mitrovic. But um, yeah, that was a real shame. And then I, I think the next one was probably the Marcondes one, wasn't it? Um, hit the post. And then he swiveled on one as well, but the keeper made a decent save again. And yeah, it just it just felt like it was just, yeah, another chance after chance after chance and one of them would go in. But as Tig said, I wasn't too concerned at half-time. Wasn't too concerned at all. Um, I think the, the Warriors, maybe the players went out almost similarly to, to our supporters and kind of went out and thought, it'll come. It'll yeah. come. We don't really have to do anything because we're going to score in the end. Um, and maybe that was that was to our detriment in the end. But yeah, I, I agree. It just looked like chance after chance. It just wouldn't happen. I mean, the Mark Connors one is is inches away, isn't it? Yeah. And, and cr- cr- go on, I was going to say credit, though, to the, the whole goalkeeper. I've got, I've got to say yeah, that. Yeah, very well, much. The actually, Baxter, very good. He made himself so big, so so quickly, on so many of those opportunities that even those that he didn't, necessarily have to save he, he did such a good job putting off the striker or whoever was whoever was coming onto the ball so uh yeah credit to him but you yeah as tom said you still expected eventually if it carries on like this you, you're going to get another chance and that chance will lead to a goal mm. and you know speaking of marcondes uh, i thought tiggs that he was he was actually involved in more than i realized when looking at the the highlights package it's only about three minutes they've not put the extended ones up i think hull have got a bit of a you know they've got a beefier package via their youtube channel but you know i thought he actually wasn't too bad in the first half at all he's a quality player you know undoubtedly he's he, he was being asked to play him and billy in, in an unusual shape for them, for what we probably worked on. I don't know how long we would have worked on this. We wanted to see it because, you know, let's, on, let's be honest about it. Having those two attacking is, and without Dom having much support, and it's something that we bring up every week. And yeah. and I'm sure Tom's going to bring it up in the second half when we talk about it in a minute. You know, those two, Billing and Marcondes, should have been lethal, could have been lethal. Um, but it requires them both to do like quite different jobs at different times. Um, so you're asking a lot of them in a way. Because you haven't got that kind of um, deep lying kind of playmaker. Because you, if you're using Jefferson Lerma as kind of a block, then you haven't got your kind of your Kilkenny or your Cook. Um, yeah, I don't know. I suppose, it's, but I thought he was brilliant. He made the right runs at the right time. It's just communication, I think, was probably the hardest thing for him. I think the manager, the whole manager, said at half time that they, the main thing is where they needed to look at. Billing and Marconas were getting too much freedom in, in them mm. areas. So it was certainly something that Hull addressed. Um, and yeah, because they were, get, they were like you say, especially Marcondes, they were involved in all them little chances, weren't they? Even if it was just making a, a kind of a run that was just to, you know, sacrifice themselves so there was a bit more space. They were, they were getting a lot of freedom. Um, and I think Hull did address that in the second half. And unfortunately for us, we didn't change too much. But, but they certainly adapted to that because... Marcondes was key in that first half, and I, I do like what he gives. I, I think there's certain flaws to his game, which which make you feel like he's a little bit luxury at times. But I certainly like the the will and and all that he gives to to the team and his performance always. And he's got a little bit of magic in him, so you you always want to keep him on the pitch because you feel like he could provide something. And he was unlucky not to score again. Tom, do you, I mean you're a footballer. When you yes. batter a team for forty five minutes, create. A hat full of chances, yet none of them go in. Does does your confidence dip at all? Um, I don't know. I don't. I, I wouldn't have thought so. I think it would be like, you know, really frustrating. But we are absolutely battering these lot, and we've got a whole forty-five minutes minimum left. It'll come. Keep doing the same things. Don't drop off. Do exactly what we're doing in the first half. Don't let it slip. They cannot be any worse. 
the, the opposition are going to try and change something because there's no way they can allow that to happen again because they know they won't get away with it. So we've got to be astute to that, but keep doing what we're doing and um, be, be patient as well, but keep doing what we're doing and don't let the foot off and, and, and it will come. So, yeah, I don't think, I think, you know, like we're all saying, I don't think we, we was frustrating, but none of us felt we'd lose that game really. I know there was a lot of us going, oh, it's typical whole one nil on this, but hmm. I think really we just thought if we played, well, if we had played like that, we would have won the game. I'm sure of that. We just didn't. Um, yeah, and it's a bit head-scratching as to why, to be honest. But Hull deserve their fair share of credit as well. They definitely changed some things and, and adapted and great away performance from them. Mm. Dom had a number of chances in the first half and we went close on so many occasions. But yeah, half-time came and went. And then second half, I don't know what was said, but we were not the same team, Tiggs. And Hull, to their credit, you know, they dug in... And they looked a different side and made us look incredibly poor. It is one of the most baffling contrasts in performance I've ever seen during the scope of a 90-minute match. Yeah, you know, and no one, you know, loads of people have just said, we don't know what happened <laughs> when you yeah, ask yeah. anyone. Loads of people who are supposed to know just don't know. So we haven't got a chance, have we? But I think... A couple of things happened that I think probably contributed to it. One, um, Mepham was obviously starting. He got injured. We brought on Cahill. Now, um, there's different schools of thought on, on why Parker's been, he said to the, the Echo, Mepham was picked ahead on, on merit. I think it was, if that was the case, he might have been picked on the type of player that he is and what he's being asked to do. Um, and maybe that Gary Cahill couldn't do what Mepham was being asked to do. And that was kind of keep that high line. Um, and he just kept getting caught out. But they were able to get down our flanks quite a lot. I, I think what I would expect to have been said, and again, I might be completely wrong, is that I can imagine all the lads in the dressing room, Parker walks in and he says, that was fantastic, lads. Well done. Mm. Keep it going. Whereas I imagine in the whole dressing room, there's a very different conversation. Mm. And the players probably left a little bit more fired up. But I might be wrong, um, especially with a manager who's, whose job was on the line, which I believe he may have lost today, the whole manager. Yeah. Um, yeah, but so new owners and all that, new owners and all that, and they've obviously got lofty ambitions. Yeah, I don't know, it doesn't really make any sense, but I can accept that. Do you know, I can accept that because that happens in football. What I can't get my head around is if that happens, why does it stay like that? Yeah, mm. why does it stay like that when you've got the quality supposedly to be able to change it? That's weird. Yeah, and we needed the change because it was Ryan Longman who, fair play, it was an excellent goal. You could feel it coming. Jack Stacey got caught trying to dribble out from the back and yeah, a bit of a suicidal run, really, running across the pitch. And then they had an overload on the left-hand side. And um, I think Tom Eves might have got the ball and then played it out to Longman. He then cut in, a few touches, feigned a shot, actually did shoot past Travers, who had, who had no chance. And... You know, fair play. I think Hull, you know, deserved it. And cracking goal it was. And their fans obviously went into delirium. Look, they've just beaten Blackburn. And they, they all regarded Bournemouth as a harder task. And they're winning 1-0. But Tom, that goal came at a time where things could be changed. In terms of mentality, in terms of personnel. But the changes that we made weren't um you know systematic or whatever or formation changes it was just like for like changes albeit i think when anthony came on i think he he actually performed you know pretty well actually probably probably you know better than who he replaced but 
we just saw nothing, no intensity. I remember Stacey getting down the right-hand side or Marcondes and trying to square it, but not even a shot on goal of no. Terrible. Yeah, I don't think, uh, as I said, I don't think their goalkeeper needed his glove second half. Um, and exactly what exactly what Tig said, I can accept kind of being a little bit like, look, it'll come, let's be patient, et cetera, et cetera. You've got to change something when it doesn't work. You've got to change something. It, it baffled me. We, you know, it's just like for like rubbish. And you take it off. You've got, you know, he keeps saying, he's just said that we're over reliant on Dom Solanke, you know, um, as a centre forward. He's got a centre forward on the pitch and Jamal Lowe who can obviously play from the sides. He won that having a great game. But don't just take him off like for like, let's put him up top. Let's, 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 mm. let's get someone near Dom. Let's try something because nine minutes at a time and Dom Solanke is running around on his own. Uh, how is that happening? I don't understand why that's happening. I don't understand why we're not trying to keep whole guessing. We're not trying to change something and offer something different. And then when you think, OK, we're getting a bit desperate and it's probably going to be a bit more balls in the box now because they're going to sit deep. Then we take off Leif Davis, who was probably one of the only players to put a cross in. Um, I, I just didn't get it. I, I, I honestly don't get it. I, I can't get my head around the, the changes. I knew what changes would happen. I knew for a fact Lowe was going to come off. I knew for a fact he'd just chuck Rogers on when he wouldn't have enough time. It happens every single week. It happens every single week. And there hasn't been a game this season where Dom Solanke hasn't been isolated. So, you know, it's all right coming out after the game and saying we're over-reliant on him. Well, how about putting someone up there with him to help him? Um, I don't understand it. And you can't say that we haven't got the options because Jamal Lowe scored 14 goals last season for Swansea. Hmm. He's, he scored goals yeah. in the Championship. He scored goals in the Football League. And we haven't really seen him up there. Put him alongside Dom. Let's let's try and give him something to worry about. Let's, you know, Howard just sitting there going, this is so predictable. Just keep mm. doing the same thing because we're seeing this out. And we've got the quality in personnel to be able to change a few Absolutely. little bits and surprise them a little bit. And we just didn't. And it was just the same thing. And as soon as they scored, I thought that was it. Um, because as I say, we, we didn't look like doing anything. It was really odd. And then even when you think, oh, all right, let's bring some players on that can maybe just... You know, as you said earlier, Sam, kind of make a tackle, get the crowd going. You've got people like Ben Pearson and Gavin Kilkenny on the bench who have never really let us down, who for some reason can't get a kick at the moment when we can't mm. win football matches. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I'm scratching my head, mate. I, I don't understand that second half and I don't understand why we didn't seemingly want to change it. don't understand. Here's a telling stat. Look at the bottom of the screen here and we're looking at the first half here where Bournemouth had... Four corners, four corners. Fast forward to the second half, we have no corners. Hull have seven corners. That, to me, says it all. Absolutely says it all, Tiggs. And there were boos at full time. You can see why. I think Kirk mentioned on the free-for-all that, you know, nine minutes, you want a plan B. Some people have mentioned Andy Carroll will come on to talking about transfer targets, etc. very, very shortly. But... At that point in time, you're wanting us just to lump it up the pitch and get the ball into the box, but there's just this slow, formulaic brand of football that invariably will get we get tackled in midfield or because of their low block that they that they then you know deployed later in the game. It just meant we had slim to no chances at all. Um, it was a hard watch. It was a hard watch. Yeah, it was, and I think you know in, in days gone by, you'd expect that that you know just get some bodies in the box, chuck a ball in, come on, you know, we've got 10 minutes of extra time, we must be able to get something. Willow always used to say on the radio, there'll be there'll be another chance, there'll be another chance. We'd hardly created anything at all in the last 10 minutes. But then I also think to myself, 
what about if we had done that? What about if we chucked everyone in the box and, you know, we just hoofed the ball in there, Gary Cahill headed it in. I wonder if they'd get a, they'd get a telling off for, for not playing the, the form of football that he's, that he's looking for. And it's funny, your little video there, and you can hear the booze, Sam, as you're leaving. You can also hear somebody under their breath very clearly say, park a ball, park a ball, park a ball. Um, I don't want to be down on it completely because at the end of the day, it got us to the top of the league for a substantial period of time. So does it work? It can. But, you know, I feel like we've got square pegs around holes now. It just... And I think Tom's right. I think you need to have something different. But the problem is, I think that you're in a situation where the guy who's who's pulling the strings, he's too stubborn to want to do that. And that's his job. And, you know, and Eddie, Eddie was the same in, in yeah. his own way. Eddie was the same. He worked on something all week in training. And he wasn't going to change it. Um, so, yeah, I just don't know. I don't know yet what it would take for Scott Parker to do something different. Maybe dropping out of the automatic, automatic spots. I don't know. I said something to Steve on the vlog and I, I expressed it really badly, but Tom, you know, maybe it's just the order of games that we've played this season. If, no, if all the results were done like in a different way, mm. like the way it panned out earlier in the season just made us believe unnecessarily. So maybe we, we have kind of maybe built this up a bit too much and look, it is a project. He's got a three year contract, you know, that's surely on the basis of the fact that if we don't get promoted, he's going to have the nous and the skill to get us through it next season when we've got, what twenty million pounds less in in parachute payments? Were we perhaps um, you know believing something that maybe wasn't there at the start of the season? Well, there's another way of looking at that as well. I was going to say another way of looking at that is did did Parker expect this to go this way? Because hmm. let's look at the start of the season and who he was having to put out on the pitch. Now, was he expecting Jordan Zamora and Jaden Anthony to to do what they did? Was he expecting Travers to do so well? Was he expecting Gavin Kilkenny to actually give him something to, to scratch his head about? I bet he wasn't. I'll, I'll bet you any money he wasn't. You know, he was desperately trying to think, who am I going to fill these spots with? And I think he was probably thinking, well, I've got three years here. I've got two years here to get this project to get where they are. I don't think he was. And I think he's got caught a little bit with his pants down there because he's got us to the top of the league. And now the pressure's on. How does he keep us there? Because it's not what he expected, I don't think. I almost, I almost think he got a little bit lucky in, in what you're saying there, Tiggs. And we tried to get... Freddie Woodman from Newcastle was a goalkeeper yeah. and they had a COVID problem. So he had to play Travers and realised, oh, he's quite good. And then we brought in Leif Davis and he wasn't quite ready to play. And we realised Samura was quite good. And Lerner had a six-game ban and Ben Pearson was out and he realised Gavin Kilkenny's quite good. And I, and I, I feel like he got quite lucky. I don't think any of them would have played if he had got mm-hmm. what, he'd, what he'd asked for or what he'd hoped. Um, and I agree with the philosophy thing. Um, Eddie was very, very much the same, but in a completely different style of football. Um, it'd always be kind of that way. I think the problem is, I think we can play this way if we get the lead. If we get the lead, yeah. I think it's doable. And I almost um, appreciate why we're doing it. If you take the lead against team, you know, teams, you know, in the championship in that kind of bottom half, if you take the lead against them and they start getting a bit, you know, they're forcing balls in the box. You'd like to think Gary Cahill and Lloyd Kelly could deal with most of it. You'd like to think that Jefferson Lerma and Ben Pearson and players like that can, you know, really help them and sit in front of them as a wall. And you'd like to think you can get the job done. And we've mm. shown that we can do that. When we don't get the leads, then I think I just don't work. It doesn't work because then teams are, they've got someone to lay on to. Their, their game plan is working to perfection. We're going to get desperate and they're going to nick stuff. And that's where I feel like we've got a, 
we've got to try and keep teams guessing a little bit. I, I appreciate when you've got the lead that you're going to sit back a little bit and try and defend what you have. But we didn't. We we had nothing to hold on to um, in that second half. We had to go get something. So um, that, that's that's why it, it um, surprised me a little bit that we didn't didn't try to to change stuff. And I don't think we will change stuff. I think you'll hopefully try and get get a few people in the window. But I don't see. I you know I feel like it'll be a predictable side that will will go out against Barnsley. I don't think we'll change system or anything like that. So um, yeah, it'll be be interesting to see if we can just have a. We, it feels like we're going into games just hoping that we have a little bit too much quality for the opposition mm, because mm. of the players we can put out compared to you know a whole a Luton. But as as we saw in both them games, that there's uh, more important things than just having the players on the pitch that are, that are good at football. You've got to get all aspects of the game going, and we haven't done that lately. So it's not a bad fixture for it to change. I mean, I don't think Barnsley would take that with any disrespect. I mean, they have been mm. absolutely shocking. They're below a team of a minus twenty odd points, so cool. We got to win. Well, you know what? Let's let's take a breath. And you know that's what that's what Scott Parker told the team to do when we equalised at Luton. Let's take a breath. Are we all doom and gloom here? Dave Roberts was just saying, is upon screen. We're all talking like we're in a relegation a dogfight. Barring a Middlesbrough goal, we'll still be second. You know, like sorry if Blackburn score. You know, we won't be, but if Middlesbrough do, we'll still be in second. There's 19 games to go. It's yeah. not all doom and gloom, is it, Tiggs? No, it's not. But it's contrasting, Dave. That's the problem because, yeah. unfortunately, we are in, not in a relegation dogfight, but we are in relegation form. I think we're on a point a game at the moment in the last yeah. 10. or No, not even that, I don't think. I think there's only like three teams with worse form than us at the moment which is just weird to, to be up where we are in the league and have that. I'm trying to remember the last time that I really enjoyed a game of football as well, which, you know, that's just my personal taste. But, you know, that's how I kind of feel. So it just feels a little bit down. But you're right, Dave. I'm letting it get to me and I shouldn't do. I should just just you know, put my chin up and go, come on, Barnsley around the corner. We can do it because we can do it. But, um, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, I'm sorry, Dave. I'm sorry if I've... <laughs> You're we're, right, mate. You are right. We're sorry, Dave, but I would like to say, <laughs> last season, I was getting grief for being too positive. So, yeah. someone helped me out. I, I don't... I said, we've had so many similarities to last season. I feel that, that, that last season, I was trying to, you know, back a new match, the first one since Eddie. I'm thinking, this is always going to be tough. And I'm thinking, and it is a club legend. Let's try and back him a little bit. But, you know, um, so I never wanted Jason Tindall to be sacked, but I'm happy to concede. I don't think he was the right man. And I do not want Scott Parker to be sacked. But on form right now, can, as, tell me why he's suddenly different. Why is he different? Because apart from wearing better clothes and being a better footballer than Jason Tindall, I don't see a lot of difference. I was bored of the games last season. We were boring to watch. Our goalkeeper was saving us. The only real difference, I think, the league was better last season. We had Brentford were flying, and they're showing that in the Premier League, that they had a really mm. good group of players and, and staff and things like that. Watford, you know, players like Saar, really good squad. Norwich had Buendia. Uh, Swansea was strong last season. Mm. This season, Mitrovic at Fulham. And then you go, all right, Brett and Diaz doing pretty well at Blackburn. But then, like, even QPR are doing well. Yeah, but then they, they only lost the other, the other week. And then West Brom don't look that good. I'm sorry, the only difference last season was the chasing pack were better. And when we went on a bad run and a blip and an awful run of form like we are this season, they caught us. They caught mm. us. This season, we haven't been caught because the other teams ain't doing nothing. So, I'd love the chat to tell me, is it just because he wears a cardigan? Because I don't get it. 
I was, it was frustrating last season and I tried to back the guy and this season I'm frustrated and, and and last season when I was backing the guy I was wrong to back the guy and this season I'm trying not to be kind of overly blind and backing him and people are telling me you've got to back Parker I, I don't understand the difference I really don't he's had a bit he's had more managerial experience so I could appreciate that but um, I, yeah I, I don't know what, what you guys think and what the chat thinks I just hmm. I see too many similarities to last season and I think we'll just fall short like last season but the fortunate thing is I don't think the leagues are strong and the chasing pack aren't as strong in my opinion you know what you said something there that I've got to pick up on saying that Scott Parker's a better footballer than Jason Tindall have you ever <laughs> seen Scott Parker play a 50 yard hoof True. True. at the feet of Mark Mosley to score an injury time have you no, I don't think you have I don't oh, how many have. positions on the pitch can Jason Tindall play? Quite yeah, a few, exactly. can't he? He can do anything. But look, two wins in 10 games points to automatic promotion failure, I'm afraid. And and it does. And I don't think you can ever blame Parker for the first half performance because the players should have been... We created so many chances and that's down to the players. Parker did nothing wrong for the first half. But it's whatever was said in the in the dressing room and the lack of reaction on the pitch in the second that you possibly can put at his feet. We can talk about formation till the cows come home. We might have to do this on Twitter or in another video at some point. Can can Billing and Marcondes really do it in a two? Uh, you know, 90 minutes of injury time, not a single shot. We haven't even spoken about the whole time wasting that seemed to be going on, hence the nine minutes in the first place, seemed to be going down very easily. But, you know, why wouldn't you if they, if they, I think Grant McCann made a statement saying, well, um, you know, we've got the point, so what does it matter? And, you know, fair yeah. play, but you also got your P45 as well, mate. So I'm not sure who's <laughs> the winner now. Anyway, full time booze. Look, Tiggs re- uh, referenced it. Not an advocate of that, um, it, you know, especially when we as fans don't really get behind the side as well. You know, we were only vocal at the end saying Parker sort it out and then booing. But where where were we through the rest of the game? Not saying it's our responsibility, of course. The players have got to give us something to cheer about. And, you know, as Tiggs and Tom have said, it's a it's a two way street. I think. Enough from us. We will be back, of course, but let's have a listen to some of the fans' thoughts that have sent in their videos. Relax. <laughs> was um, We should have been 2 through no up by half-time. Um, second half, don't know what, I, I, didn't, I don't know what was said at half-time, but it didn't do the job, did it? And then um, they're going to get a, a goal in the second half that... Very, very fortunate. I think what frustrating, from my point of view, as an AFC Bournemouth fan at this time, is I saw the match against, uh, for Fulham the other day against Birmingham. And they concede a goal, but then they go and score another one. And it's like Bournemouth just don't seem to do that at the moment. Um, Jamalo, um, a lot of people have said on the fan cams outside after the game, he ain't a winner. No, I totally agree. Morgan Roger, I would have given him another t- chance. Maybe send him back to City. Maybe that's a bit harsh. But um, anyway, that's what I wanted to say. Um, I know it's a little bit negative, but sometimes you've just got to tell it how it is. And that's what I've done in this video. So where's it going wrong this season? Um, even when things were going well, we were getting good results. Our attacking play always centred on getting the ball out wide to Zamora and Anthony and Christie and Adam Smith or Stacey as it was later. We haven't been able to do that. Teams have got wise to that. 
they picked up on that. They're doubling up, giving the snow room out wide and subsequently things are breaking down. We've not got the personnel and we don't seem to play the system which involves players driving through the centre of opposing defences or playing short passes in and play and running off those passes. I think we need new people in in the next week or so if we're going to address that and start attacking teams all over the pitch, not just out wide. So hopefully the next week will bring some change, both in terms of results and in terms of personnel coming into the club. Great to hear from Morgan and Richard there. And look, first person we wanted to hear from straight after the game was Scott Parker. Tiggs, what did you yeah. make of his um, sort of three, four minute interview with Zoe Rundle on AFCB TV? Uh, do you know what? I, I, I felt it was quite different to the normal sound bites that he gives us actually um listening to him there and i don't know whether it was just you know raw reaction or genuinely well thought out opinion but he was he to me he felt quite cross to me he felt you know he came he certainly said he was disappointed and it it felt to me like this was a kind of you know i'm drawing a line in the sand here and some of these players did not impress him today some of these players let him down so it'd be really interesting to see what happens with Barnsley in terms of team selection. I feel that this is our kind of watershed moment. This this is the moment. And, it, and he's got to a point maybe where he's turned around and said, come on, this needs to change. So I think if it's going to change, Barnsley is, is the place it's going to change. I think if it doesn't, then everything he's just said post-game would mean anything, did it? A lot of his language that he was using, he, he used the word unacceptable four times in 30 seconds. Yeah, He said unacceptable on every level nowhere near it we didn't turn up lacked energy lacked desire we can't perform like we performed in the second half the penny needs to drop mm. to radio Solent, he said in the second half it was a totally different team today is a real wake-up call for me you can lose football matches he said but he then said but there's sometimes there's there's a way to lose i didn't like anything about us in the second half and you know what those are those are quite you know like those are powerful words and sometimes you see managers kind of maybe skirting around the subject but Tom you know we now need to see that reaction and you said you saw that tweet I mean Barnsley when we play them next um, they've got an awful record we, we got to win we got to win got to win and um, I think you know what Scott said after the game makes it even more baffling to me that he didn't change anything <laughs> saying how bad we were but decided not to really change it so yeah even more confusing but um yeah great great way to address it but i'll tell you what it's also it'd be a bad way to, if we don't address it because barnsley i think i was there a stat i sent you sam it was something they ain't they gonna have one of the worst championship starts ever or something yeah their yeah. points total um you know taking away teams that have had minus points which is which is crazy and you think they're in the playoffs last season so they've got yeah. Yeah, it'd be a really, really difficult for them, obviously, losing their manager and a few key players. But yeah, there it is. I mean, oh, if we don't go there and win, there will be questions. But yeah, I mean, you're playing a team that are on the floor. They're absolutely on the floor. And for me, it's a game where I'd love to see us go two up. I'd love to see us be brave, be adventurous and, and try and get out a team. Um, but but we'll see. And um, yeah, mate, it's got to change at some point. Let's not be... To doom and gloom, like I say, we're still at this moment in time, we're still up and around their automatic slots. And that ain't going to change because I don't think the chasing pack are good enough for it to change. I think we'll be up and around there for a while. 
Um, and we've just got to, you know, try and get a bit of consistency, which Fulham have managed to do of late, uh, because it wasn't long ago. It looked like it was just us two fighting for the title. So we can get back there, a few additions maybe, um, just taking a few more of our chances and we'll be all right. It's, um, yeah, worrying at the moment, but but we'll be okay. And by the way, I saw something in the chat about, because I mentioned Jason Tindall being a club legend with like a, is he a club legend? Well, if one of, if the assistant manager of AFC Bournemouth, who goes to the Premier League for five years, isn't a club legend, and tell me what is, because I think he is. Who um, who won the last bit of silverware for AFC Bournemouth, Tom? Hey, Betway Cup champions, you'll never sing that. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting <laughs> to see some of the tweets that have come in in response <laughs> to us. And we'll go through a select few. Martin said, have to admit, but Cahill's becoming really suspect to the back now, constantly sideways passing. But when Meppen was on, constantly driving forward and also peeing balls into dangerous areas. And there was a stat that I saw from the Who Scored website. Meppen was the only outfield player that did not give the ball away once in the last game, albeit, yeah. Of course, he, he had a, a a restricted amount of time on the pitch, Tigzo. He did, yeah. But this is, this is, the, this is going back to that Tanswell comment, right? So, if if Gary Cahill, who was, let's be honest, suspiciously brilliant, right when when he when he first started playing for us, okay, we were just like, what? He's great. How come he's not now? Like, is he being asked to play football in a way that he didn't used to play it? Maybe maybe I'm being a little bit, you know, simple with this, but it just it it does feel like a lot of our players are doing things that they wouldn't normally do. Hmm. You know, they're like, think- are they being constrained by the tactic? Yeah, I don't think he looks right since. I think it was, oh, I can't remember what the away game was, where he, he took a knock him up in Millwall um, and he went down and it looked like he was injured. I don't think he's been right since. I don't think he looks he looks right. He keeps going down, doesn't he? And yeah. I wonder if it's a fitness thing with his age and, and things. And as I said at the start, I thought it was quite clever to bring Meps in for this game to try and get us up the pitch. But um, yeah, he's, I mean, would you ever think we'd see, we'd have a comment about praising <laughs> Mepham and criticising Kale? I mean, Mad, like it's, it's absolutely bonkers, isn't it? And now we're going. Oh no, Metham's injured. We've got to play Kale. <laughs> it's crazy. Hmm. Absolutely. Also, I'm just going through some of these tweets. Kerry Phillips uh, said that three things. In my opinion, it feels like players are playing in set taught sequences and not playing instinctive gritty football, which is something we alluded to earlier. He said number two. If we can't get the ball into the back of the net when sides play five at the back, that needs addressing. And also, number three, the morale and the mindset is key also. What did Parker say at half-time on Saturday? We also hear from Simon as well, who said, We all feed off excitement. Energy is infectious. The only time it felt like that was quarter one of the season where we played our game. We only got found out by tactical ineptitude from the sidelines during games as well. And also there's a tweet from Alex Deutsch who said, this is the third manager that this team have crumbled in front of, which suggests it could be a cultural thing without the squad. And that takes time to resolve. I'm seeing glimpses of what Parker wants to do on the pitch. And that's enough to keep me backing this project. And that's right, Tiggs. There are little glimpses, aren't there, of when yeah. it's good, you know, it's, it's very good. And there were a number of, look, we under Eddie never said we don't lose and we did under Parker, which is, which is a good thing. And that's a good mentality. And it looked for quite a while, like we would never concede a goal. So it's those bits that I like, but just not what we've seen maybe in the last two months here and there. Yeah. I I just, I've sort of said this a couple of times before. I feel like we had a formula that worked through injuries, through changes, you know, we, we, we sort of, 
played around with that a little bit and now it is just not really recognizable to what we were doing before but they're being asked to do what they were doing before mm. you know certainly down that left side how much of our early success came through the zamora anthony billing little triangle and that hasn't existed has it for for quite a while now so you know that could have a lot to do with it and tom says as he said every week for the last about four weeks you know at the moment we've got a great great striker in dom Solanke, but there's no one to help him and that needs to be addressed. And it's those little things that are annoying. It's those little things that aren't being addressed. But yeah, you're right. There's lots and lots of good things that we don't want to lose by any means. Hang on, Tom. Light bulb moment. Let's get this guy. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> I mean, what, what are your thoughts on Andy? Because look, there's been, there's been sort of Twitter conjecture and stuff. And we'll talk about some of the other people that we've been linked with as well, or maybe put in a bid for, but a lot of people are talking about Andy Carroll. I mean, you know, he's still got it. Those two worldies, albeit disallowed when they played Fulham, they were cracking goals. Oh, mate. Ev, to be fair, I think Julius Tallislas and Robbie Brady do need some company. Um, they might be getting <laughs> a bit lonely. I, I, I'm sorry, I mean, oh, I, I'm sure Alan Shearer's still got a bit of quality, but he's probably not going to be fit. I, yeah. I, this guy is never fit. He's never fit. So go and get someone we can get behind. I'd rather have someone that I think, you know, there's a there's a there's a thought to it. This is literally screams of desperation, in my opinion. And don't get me wrong, if he stays fit for the end of the season, we'd probably go up. It ain't gonna happen. It ain't gonna. He's never fit. He hasn't been fit for years. Um, it's, it's agent talk, isn't it? It's agent talk. Yeah. You're looking you're looking down the league as an agent. You're going, look, Bournemouth are struggling. They've only got one striker. They got a bit I've, of cash. They got a bit of cash. Yeah. Let's pump up the price because. Honestly, can you imagine Scott Parker wanting to play Andy Carroll? Like, what is he expecting Don Solanke to do every game? Because he, he expects Don Solanke to play the, the role of three players. I, I think, and I'm not going to knock Andy Carroll. I don't need to do that. There's plenty of other people who want to. But at the end of the day, he, he's not that sort of player, is he? He's just not. Come on. No, he would be a yeah. literal... It would be a definite plan B, obviously. He wouldn't, he wouldn't play much football. It would just be probably come on, you know, a game like it was at the weekend. But... At the weekend, you just said it then. We didn't even have a corner. So, I mean, we didn't put any balls in the box. So, I don't know what difference it would make. We would have to change our whole style to bring someone in like that. But yeah. I would I would get, I would would get, much rather a, a Kiefer Moore, say, who's a, a similar type. Obviously, hasn't had the career of Andy Carroll. But, you know, they're a bit of thought into it. And I, I agree with Tiggs. I think it's just a bit of lazy journalism. Um, and I don't see that one happening. I probably think if we're going to get anyone, I think it will probably be Tom Lawrence. Um, but we have had bids rejected for Dembele as well, haven't we, at Peterborough? You know what? If uh, if ever like Andy Carroll did sign for a championship side, maybe it'll be a bottom of the league sign or whatever. I think us three should get around a dinner table, have a curry, and do the whole. Well, he's not coming to Bournemouth. <laughs> he's going to Barnsley or something or whatever he yeah, said that time. My God, great. hated that video. Right, Tom, you mentioned Tom Lawrence. Saw yeah. a bit of him when we were in the village on Saturday, uh, Derby versus Nottingham Forest, and. Uh, Tell you what, he missed a sitter early doors, didn't he? But uh, he's having a cracking season for the Rams, isn't he? And, uh, you know, that's that's one of a couple of players. And you mentioned someone else as well. But what do you think about those two targets? Um, yeah, I, I like Tom Lawrence. Um, I think he's a player that can play. In, so very, very much Christie, but probably on the other side. Um, and will come in and be creative and score goals from midfield, which we definitely need. He's got good championship experience. He's, he's doing, doing amazing at Derby. But, you know, unfortunately for them, you know, we know too well the situation they're in. And I think you can tempt them with, with anything, really. I mean, not even half a million, I don't think. The administrators mm. will probably accept it. So it would make it would make sense. Um, I quite like him. Like you say, he did miss a good chance 
at the weekend um, in a game where Steve Cook assisted Lewis Graben. And we, yeah, I like him. I, I don't get the Dembele one. I'm looking at, don't get me right, he's, he's still quite, he's still only mid-20s. So, you know, I, I can't, you know, I can see that I haven't seen an awful lot of him. Uh, but to me, he seems a very Jamal Lowe type player that can play off the sides and can play through the middle. But also, but he hasn't got as good a re- uh, goal scoring record as, as Jamal Lowe. Um, so yeah, I don't. I think if you're going to go for someone that would probably more likely play off the sides, I'd rather Tom Lawrence um, with that creativity. And he's got better numbers at, at, at a side that are down the bottom like Peterborough um, for, with Dembele. So I prefer Tom Lawrence. I quite like a striker, but. Maybe they're just the options ain't out there. But um, if we just if you offer me just Tom Lawrence and nothing else, I'd probably take it, mate. I still think we've got enough. It's just uh, keeping our fingers crossed that Solanke don't get an injury because we're bloody lucky because he's the only player that started every league game for us. I mean, we are very fortunate in that sense because, mm. you know, last season, people like Dan Juma were getting injuries, weren't they? Um, luckily for us, Dom hasn't got one yet. So I think that's the main thing. I'd rather Dom Solanke. If you can guarantee me him fit for the mm. rest of the season, I don't think we need another one, but we'll see. Tiggs, it's not all doom and gloom. It's not all doom and gloom. I mean, yes, that's the live league table. But Morgan said that Middlesbrough, good spell of possession, off the line by the Blackburn defender, could could probably do them scoring just to, I don't know, just to make ourselves feel a little better and still maintain that spot. But, you know, all is not lost. We've seen these glimpses and we need to clutch on to these little moments. Um, yeah. But look. Parker was brutal and he knows that changes have to, and he by saying what he said Tiggs he's put pressure on himself big time yeah he has he has and it all kind of links you know you got you got him saying that you got the transfer window about to close you know he he's got to put the pressure on the players now to perform what we don't want to see happen in this transfer window mm. is we don't want a player to come in just to sit on our bench the rest of the season if you're going to get someone in get someone who's better than what we've already got there's no point just filling up the squad ranks behind us now. We're in a position where our, our form's not been great. We need someone who's really going to push, like Anthony, or who's really going to push Bill in for, for, for a start in place. Because if they're not, then really, what's the point? So Tom Lawrence, I quite like, as a good shout. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we've we've definitely got... Stanislas sounds like he's out now, and he, for the, for the rest. Um, yeah, and it's just whether we can get a striker, as, as, as Tom said. Mm. Yeah. Is it still nil-nil, Sam, by the way? It's still nil-nil. I, I actually think that's a better result than Borough winning. I mean, yeah. I know everyone looking at it and going, oh, let's have black... There'll be four points behind us if they win. <laughs> Borough, <laughs> they're coming. So I think um, it'd probably be better if neither of them win, to be honest. But, um, yeah. Um, like I say, that's that's the thing at the moment. Blackbird, they, even, they just lost a hole as same as us. And now they're struggling against Borough, which we've done as well. So I think it's going to be a nice little roller coaster, mate. Strap in and uh, fancy Barnsley away, dear, mate. Fancy Barnsley away all Come over. On. Just Blackburn versus Middlesbrough has actually been interrupted due Ooh. to a medical emergency in the stand at Ewood Park. So play has been temporarily suspended to allow treatment to be given to the individual. Obviously, we hope all is well with them. So, yeah, the game is paused there and that sort of, you know, like you say, it doesn't really matter what happens. It's it's all in our hands anyway, but, you know, best wishes uh, to whoever that person is that's affected. And yeah, Barnsley away is the next game. Right, stop what you're doing, everyone that's watching. And there's uh, over 100, 130, 140 people of you. Um, if you can retweet our tweet, our, our last tweet that promotes this video, we would love you forever because it gets us in front of more eyes. It's a free thing to do. Look, back of the net's always going to be free. 
But if you do want to support us with a coffee, then you can do so as well. At the end of the show, we have what's called a Legends Wall, and that's for everyone who donates monthly. You can also do one-offs, and also, as Lucas did earlier, a super chat as well. And the Legends Wall is just our way of saying thanks to everyone that supports us, because it helps us pay for a lot of what we do. So go to afcbpodcast.com forward slash coffee to donate to the channel we truly do appreciate it but if you can't do that things you can do for free is just retweeting our stuff or sharing it on facebook and trying to get behind what we do but also liking it as well tom it is i think it's been a pleasure yeah i suppose um i'd say yeah i'm not too doom and gloom to not not want to take a trip to barnsley with you mate so uh yeah hopefully it'll um Hopefully it will bounce back and uh, there'll be lots of highs and lows this season. So this is a little low at the moment, but we'll mm. we'll be back. And uh, cheering them boys on. Let's get a good atmosphere going at Barnsley. What yeah. a way day that is. Huge Brilliant. atmosphere needed. You Reds, we've got this. Tiggs, we've got this, haven't we? We've got this, mate. You've got what? You've got Barnsley, Borehamwood, Birmingham and Blackpool. Come on! Hey, that's a nice little run of bees. And I don't see why we can't get lots of threes as well. So come on, we can do this. Come on, pick it back up. So there we go. That that was quite cathartic, I've got to say. I felt a lot better by the end of it. I think. I think I did anyway. Next, it's Barnsley away. And as Tom said, my God, their form is atrocious. Surely, surely we need to be getting a win. Oh, my goodness. I can't say I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to go. We're all going to go. And we'll be back with a pod next week. Thanks for tuning in. This has been Back of the Net. The AFC Bournemouth podcast. Oh, I need a drink. Ben Stacey in on the challenge. Need to be careful because he's been booked. It runs loose to the left-hand side. Here's Longman now. Hull threatening. Ryan Longman coming back into the area. And of course, smashing it into the top right-hand corner. Well, Hull City have managed the game in the second half, hoping for an opportunity to smash and grab. And they might just have done it with Ryan Longman, 13 minutes from time. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.